The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Zabona to Bradley. Oh, well done to get that ball in. Oh, that's a fabulous equaliser from Kay Gordon. So Jürgen's COVID-ravaged Reds advance in the FA Cup despite an early scare and Kay Gordon entering the record books as they make it through. So can Liverpool now make progress in two domestic cup competitions with a semi-final against Arsenal up next in the League Cup? I'm Steve Hoversault. This is The Red Agenda. James Pearce and Kiever O'Neill are on today's podcast. And it has been a week of absolute chaos on so many fronts, whether it be the training ground being shut, game being called off, COVID cases. Thankfully, though, Kiever ends on a positive. Yeah, I mean, it all, you felt like when Shrewsbury scored that like that was just sort of compounding the misery of the fan base almost and the confusion as well because not a lot of us knew sort of what team was going to line up. You know, the, the club kept a little bit quiet on that front, I think, because, you know, there'd been sort of plenty of of cases in the build-up to that game and also Klopp said after the game there was false positives as well, which was interesting. Yeah, so I think Trent Alexander-Arnold in the end was the, the one with who missed out. But yeah, I just think it was a nice story, wasn't it, that we we got to see at Anfield rather than the sort of craziness of particularly social media in the build-up to this game, which is just, I mean, unbearable at times, to be honest. It wasn't a week to remember, was it? I reckon, James, I could have picked 10 lineups and I wouldn't have got the lineup that actually started that game. That, that was one of one of those fixtures where there was no way you were, you were going to identify who was playing in this FA Cup game. No, exactly. I think I don't think it, it I don't think I'd ever gone to a Liverpool game not knowing what lineup we, we were going to see because it um you know the preparations had been so ridiculous and they with the training ground shut down for 48 hours, obviously the the Carabao Cup tie at Arsenal haven't been postponed. We were expecting, well, knowing it would be a real mix of of kind of experience and youth. And I think, I think the big thing, probably, you know, like most people, when I saw the team sheet, I was actually reassured because it was actually stronger than I thought it was it was going to be. And the thing that gave me the confidence was that you know you looked at that back line and you know three quarters of it was you'd, you'd say almost full strength because there's probably not much between Canate and, and Matip. So, you know, when you see Van Dijk and Robertson in that back four as well, I think you, you knew that Liverpool were going to have the stability, especially with Fabinho sitting just in front. And most of the, the young players on display were, were kind of operating further forward. So, um, yeah, it was a, you know, in the end, it was a, a lovely routine victory to a, to a pretty manic week, which um, which I think everyone was, was more than happy to accept. You know, the alarm bells were obviously ringing after... 20 minutes or so when Shrewsbury took that shot lead but um, I, I like the way that the young players especially responded to that because it could have been easy to have um, lost their composure a bit but um, you know Liverpool quickly got themselves back in control and yeah the, the second half was a was a procession really. Hats off to Shrewsbury for the way they did take the lead. They put in a superb cross just before that but that cross that was a striker's dream wasn't it Kiva and Daniel is it Odo? Uh, was in the right place to smash it home. And in what was a fairly quiet afternoon at Anfield, those Shrewsbury fans were brilliant, were they? They went absolutely mad, didn't they, for that? Um, and then his Ronaldo celebration as well. <laughs> um, I thought probably Conor Bradley, who did have a good game at right-back and was involved in a lot of the goals, 
Um, he probably should have got a little bit tighter to his man on that, and then Canate didn't cover himself in glory as well, doing the same. Um, sort of left them with a bit, bit too much space. But you know, you kind of, it was kind of nice to see in a way because you sort of had the underlying feeling Liverpool are going to come back and win this, but let's sort of make a day of it, and that's kind of how it felt. Obviously, there was some worries that a cup upset might be on the cards, but um, it was the young lads that sort of started the the comeback, wasn't it? And Klopp said that after the game, you know, that first goal, Kate Gordon was pretty much built by the young players. Tyler Morton was involved. Obviously, Connor Bradley got the assist. Um, Elijah Dixon Bonner was involved in the build-up as well. Kate Gordon taking his first goal as calm as he would take his hundredth looking looking at him. Um, yeah, so just that was positive. And then, you know, to see Max Waltman, who had a difficult first half, sort of, you know, being Liverpool's number nine, it wasn't, he was feeding off scraps for the majority of that. Um, to see him and uh, Dixon Bonner chase uh, the ball into the net to get it out, to, you know, take it to the halfway line and crack on. I, I love that, that that sort of instilled in Liverpool right through you know, the academy ranks right to, through to the first team and Klopp would have liked that as well, I think, just to have that hunger, you know, this was their day. Especially, like James said, in such a, a strong side as well, it was almost like, you know, we'll sort of be steady at the back and you let's let's see what these, these kids can do. And they did all right. Let's talk Kate Gordon then. And, uh, and James, massive hype around the lad. I mean, superb finish, technically brilliant with, with both feet, really. Yeah, it was a it was a sensational goal, wasn't it? I think, um, as you said, the way the way that he shifted it, and when when you watch the replays back as well, he was surrounded by defenders. He had no right to score from from where he was there. But um, yeah, credit to Connor Bradley as well, because as as Kiva said, he you know he probably was found wanting a bit for the the Shrewsbury opener. But I thought Bradley came back really really strong after that. Um, and was excellent. You know, he was in the he was in the thick of things. You know, it was almost Trent esque sometimes. You know, the way that he was marauding down that right, and he, you know, of course he played a he played a big part in Firmino's goal as well. But um, yeah, Gordon is just such an exciting talent, isn't he? I think he's the kind of player that he just gets supporters off their seats. He's just got that kind of X factor that is difficult to find in young players because you know you can light up youth games and then get thrown into senior football and and look like a fish out of water, but he looks the part, doesn't he? It's hard to believe he is only 17 because physically he handles himself. You can see he's got a te- great temperament. You know, even when things don't go, you know, great for him, he always wants the ball. He always wants to make things happen. And the biggest quality for an attacking player like him is that ability to finish and, and keep cool in, in situations, which, you know, and, and he epitomised that with the way that he took his goal because he, he made something very difficult look incredibly easy yeah great moment for him getting that stand innovation when he came off late on and and thoroughly deserved it's it just kind of whets your appetite what what he could go on to achieve at Liverpool right Kiva you've written a piece um with Cade's family actually it's probably going to be out by the time this podcast's out so I think for all of us we're, we're just sort of wondering you know what what do you do after a goal like that how does a family react to it what did they have to say yeah, I chatted to Cade's older brother, Kellen, who, who plays for Mansfield Town. He's actually injured at the moment because he would have been playing on Saturday because Mansfield played. I think they might have got beat by Middlesbrough, perhaps. So, I mean, if they would have got through, that would have been interesting for the um, the draw. But obviously, we know Liverpool have got Cardiff City now and Mansfield are unfortunately out. Um, but yeah, lucky enough that he was willing to chat late last night on his drive home from the mum's house um, in Derby. He lives nearby. So Cade actually went back with the family. Um, their uncle drove them. At the game was his mum, Joanne, their uncle, 
his two brothers, Keldon and Kellen, and they were in the Kenny Dagley stand and then um, his grandma and her husband was in the main stand watching on. So it was quite a family affair for Cade and a proud day for them by all means. You know, uh, speaking to his brother was just, I had goosebumps at times because you sometimes it's like, you know, we know what a special moment it is for Cade to score at the cop end at Anfield in the FA Cup, you know, to become the second youngest goal scorer in club history. Like, at 17 just an amazing moment but then to speak to you know the people who know him best and you know his brother used to stick him in goal in the back garden and just pelt balls at him all day and um, you know to see it then you know his brother is in at Anfield watching his little brother score for Liverpool you know one of the biggest clubs in the world it's just you know to hear all that emotion come across was incredible and they seem quite chilled and quite relaxed and sort of just he takes it in his stride Cade by the sounds and the only thing he said was that uh, like Van Dyke and Robertson and all them kind of posted on Instagram. That was what he kind of mentioned was like, that's quite cool. Like, but that's all he sort of, <laughs> he didn't let on to anything else. Like as though, you know, I've become the set. He was just sort of like, yeah, cool. He said it's very much, you know, they go back to just being a family because they are just a family. So it was just chatting about other stuff. And I think, you know, they got home and had uh, just an ordinary meal of chicken, rice and vegetables. He said it wasn't nothing, you know, over the top or they didn't get the bubbly out or anything like that, which I kind of think, you know, is a good thing. And, you know, they're sort of just taking it in the stride as a family. And, and Cade seems someone, you know, who is just very sort of relaxed about everything. And I asked the brother as well because Cade gave a shirt away at the end and I was like, I was, you know, sat in the main stand looking down thinking, what's he doing giving a shirt away? He's just scored in that. Like, he's, you know... Anfield debut, FA Cup debut, goal scoring debut. Like, what are you doing giving your shirt away? And his brother literally said the same. He was like, I said to him after the game, what are you doing? But he said, oh, someone was really asking me for it and I couldn't say no and I would have felt bad going down the tunnel without giving it to them. And he said, that is the best way I can just describe him. Like, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's just a good person and, you know, he wouldn't have wanted to let that fan down, which I think, you know, is amazing isn't it um it is yeah, but i don't i don't get it he's going to regret that isn't he if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're listening to this pod and you've got cage shirt giving him back the poor <laughs> lad i mean in a moment of kindness to the fans he's and he obviously is a nice lad doing that isn't he but you've got to keep those mementos haven't you kiva yeah definitely i'm sure james has got a few of his shirts tucked away have you james some hat tricks at anfield and whatnot <laughs> I was was just thinking like 17 years old scoring at the cop end I think my biggest achievement at 17 was managing to get into Joe Banana's nightclub with fake ID that was that was like the the pinnacle (laughs) of my achievements as a as a teenager so um yeah I might have had the luxury of doing that maybe with a few of those uh those legends and press games over the years but sadly 54,000 empty seats for those rather than a full house so um yeah, I love the fact that he's, he sounds like he comes from a, an amazing family, doesn't he? And we, we know with young players that is so, so important because, you know, I go back to before even Trent had, had broken through into the first team. You, you spoke to Alex Inglethorpe and, and he used to always bang on about how incredible Trent's family were and, and Diane, especially Trent's mum and, and how reassuring that was for the academy staff that he had such great people around him that you know, that that kept him focused on the things that mattered and away from the things that could possibly prove to be a distraction because, um, you know, there's been plenty of young players over the years who have come close and even broken into the first team at various points, but then disappeared off and not fulfilled their potential. And, and quite often, you know, that is because they haven't got great influences around them. 
you know, it certainly happened at, at Liverpool a few times I can think of. So that is a massive positive because, you know, talent will only carry you so far in the game. You have to have that hunger, the drive, the application and the, and the work ethic. And, uh, you know, and when you're so young, you know, and you're, and you're suddenly, you know, in the spotlight, it can be difficult to deal with. So um, that's good to hear with, with Kay Gordon that he, he certainly seems to have really good influences around him. There's nothing more that Liverpool fans like than seeing a young striker come through. And we've had lots of them, your Fowlers, your Owens, but they don't all make it as James sort of alluded to there, Kiva. But I got the sense from from Jürgen and his comments after the game that he sort of expected to see many more big moments from Cade Gordon. Yeah, I think, um, and Cade almost giving his shirt away felt to me like I'm going to have loads more of those shirts. That was sort of the energy I got from it. And his brother did sort of agree with me there. Another thing his brother agreed on when I asked him was, you know, Klopp's quote at the end. Klopp had said, Cade has got adult finishing completely, you know, like his finishing ability is unreal, particularly on his left foot, which is his favoured foot. His brother laughed as well, a little sort of, it really come across as like brother rivalry almost. He was like, he was never taking that on his right foot. He was always going to take it on his left. He hasn't got a right foot. And I was laughing uh, listening to that. But yeah, so Klopp after the game said, Cade's finishing as adult, but there's a lot of his games sort of still like a kid still. So he needs to sort of, you know, get those aspects of his game up a little bit. And I think in the second half in particular, he did sort of drop in his performance. But we have to remember he did. He has just had COVID as well and hasn't played for a long time. So you can sort of understand, you know, the adrenaline of the first half must have wore off as well and scoring. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's still plenty more of things he can improve on you know his, his brother agreed with that as well and you know I think he sounds Kellen sounds like his biggest fan and his biggest critic which is exactly what he'll need and that's what Klopp said you know he wasn't hyping him up too much and I think that's important isn't it because you know you've seen with Harvey Elliott it almost reminded me of Elliott against Everton in the FA Cup I've told the story before but my mum like pointed them out and was like who's that kid I think there would be a lot of people in the crowd yesterday who have never heard of Kate Gordon before. I mean, living under a rock, obviously, if you haven't, but they would have pointed him out and said, uh, you know, who's that kid? And I think that's when you know you've got a special player on your hands, when, you know, people will, will pick him out and say, you know, who is he? And want to Google him immediately. So, yeah, I think he, he's definitely got a bright future, but again, a lot of work to do to keep on keeping on and you know obviously it'd be iron chances this month with AFCON and obviously Salah's away and with Arsenal coming up in, in the League Cup it'll be want to be you know I assume once you've been around the match day squad it must just be like the most amazing thing and you must just want to be there um, I spoke to Lloyd Jones who used to be at Liverpool's academy and the thing that stuck out for me, speaking to him, he's at Cambridge now, was that he said, you know, he was, I think he was on the bench for a game against Fulham in like 2013 under Brendan Rodgers. And he said it was the best weekend of his life. And that just sort of hit home, like how, you know, we sort of take for granted that, you know, the other players getting named to the bench yesterday would have been a massive day for them. And, um, you know, other players who made the debut, like Frauendorf and Dixon Bonner. Yeah, just incredible, really, but still a lot of work to do and how difficult it is to actually play for Liverpool is uh, pretty clear to all of us, isn't it? So many incredible youngsters showing lots of promise and giving a chance in the last year and a half. And it, and it almost makes you feel like Curtis Jones, James, is old now, doesn't it? When you, see, <laughs> you, you almost don't class Curtis within those young lads anymore. Now, he was playing as part of a... 
an attacking front three. I almost had to scrub my eyes at the start. I thought, and then halfway through, I was thinking, is this some sort of backup plan that Jurgen's masterminding as an option for games ahead? Well, it's where he played a lot of his youth football, isn't it? I think anyone who I remember watching him light up under eighteen games when Steven Gerrard was was his coach at the academy, and that was that was his position left left side of the of the front three, and and, and we know as well, don't we, how much Klopp loves versatility, especially in his his attacking players. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see him feature there again in the in the next few weeks, because I think Klopp has to be creative, doesn't he? Because he is depleted in that department with with Salah and Mane away at Afcon. Um, obviously, Origi still missing at the moment. It, you know, good to see Minamino get minutes under his belt. That was obviously a concern when he was out as well. You know, that that, that department was really down to the the bare bones. So, so yeah, of course you, you've got Jota to come back in. You know, Firmino getting his goal will, will help help him as well kick on hopefully. But yeah, I, I can see Jones playing more on that. You know, the left side of the front three. Obviously, he's got Oxlade as well. Hasn't he? Who can also play in the in the front three if required, you know? And I think we saw enough from Gordon as well to to know that you know a hundred percent. I can see him having an impact off the bench. I think maybe it's maybe it's too much to ask at the minute to to throw him into starting Premier League games. You know, I, I just think he would be an absolute you know nightmare for for defenders if you're you're talking about someone to bring on with 15, 20 minutes to go if you if you need a goal because. Um, you know, as we said before, he he has that ability to make things happen. Just as Bobby Firmino was a nightmare when he was brought on towards the end of the game, wasn't he? The back heel finish, absolutely fantastic, Kiva. Now, that's what the fans turn up for. That's what they want to see from a Bobby. That's what he turns up for, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, just going to come on the pitch and score a back heel, probably with his eyes closed or something, because he's just a, a mad genius, isn't he? Seeing him score there, I was kind of thinking... This could be a big month for him to sort of reclaim, you know, the Firmino show almost and, and step up and, you know, obviously there's no Salah and Mane and just to sort of, you know, because with Jota haven't joined the club and sort of, he's you know, taken Firmino's crown a little bit, hasn't he, at times? And, you know, Firmino's still a fantastically gifted footballer. He's just got something special about him, something that I think... I know we know how special Salah and Mane are, but sometimes there's things Firmino can do on a football pitch that no one else can do. It's almost like his brain works in a different way, kind of similar to maybe how Thiago passes the ball, how Firmino sort of thinks is just you know completely separate and different to how anyone else works. So yeah, to see him back and among the goals is, is great. And it was great to see Fabinho take a penalty. I enjoyed that so much because I've been waiting. I think they take one a few years ago in like pre-season and just fluffed it and then like just never got to take one again. But at Monaco, he, he was the penalty taker. He was the main man. As I think they won Liga was, you know, he was the... He was the guy taking the penalties, so that was one for the the purists yesterday. Seeing him step up, and then that angry finish right at the last second was just great. <laughs> yeah. And it made me think: if Fabinho takes penalties and scores them, does that then give him more like just energy to score more goals? This could be a thing because you know the midfield sometimes need to pick up the slack a little bit with the goal score, and especially this month, you'd imagine. So more goals from Fabinho could be welcome, and maybe why Salah's not here. You know, any more penalties can go his way. Yeah, only while he's not here. Try telling Mo that he's he's not on penalties because Fab's taking them on. Uh, it was it was comfortable in the end. I tell you what was absolutely lovely to hear the story about how Van Dyke went in the away dressing room, and we we perhaps James don't hear enough about that, do we? I'm, I'm sure other players have done it, have done it in the past, and we don't hear those stories. But 
what a sort of a gentlemanly thing to do to go in to talk to the Shrewsbury players. We know for them that that's a, that's a massive moment, isn't it, to to talk to Virgil Van Dijk? Left his shirt in there with him. Yeah, I mean Van Dijk is an absolute class act, isn't he? And you you think if you're if you're all those Shrewsbury players, that's a, a memory to cherish forever, isn't it? The fact that you know not only did you did you get to share a pitch with the best centre back in world football, but then he he then took the time out afterwards to come in the dressing room and, and chat and all the rest of it. And I think, yeah, that would have meant a huge amount because those those Shrewsbury players still around from that tie two years ago, of course, back back then the memory of coming to Anfield what was probably soured slightly by the timing of it because, of course, you know it, it, the replay was scheduled within the, the, the inaugural Premier League winter break. It meant that Klopp wasn't there, the whole senior squad weren't there. They effectively played a, a Liverpool youth team, didn't they? So that was, that was much more like a proper kind of Anfield experience for them yesterday and it was it was nice to hear that mutual respect you know extended right the way through I think the staff as well listening to Steve Cottrell talking about how he felt they'd been welcomed with open arms by Liverpool and you know they'd gone out of their way to to make Shrewsbury you know enjoy the occasion as much as possible either side of the the 90 minutes itself so um so yeah I thoroughly enjoyed it I I was there as a fan yesterday took my my lad along and um it was played in the in the right spirit. Shrewsbury, you know, they I think they they made it as difficult as they possibly could for Liverpool before the the extra class and and fitness told. But uh, yeah, you know, Van Dijk. I thought I thought Canate as well. You know, again maybe you know, not great on their goal, but he showcased again. You know, physically, you know, he's such an imposing presence back there. You know, it was you know the the Shrewsbury front line weren't exactly lacking in size themselves, but. It was men against boys at times. The way he was just swatting attackers aside, like they were just kind of a, a, you know an annoying ants that uh, that he had to deal with. So um, so yeah, and I, and I think even for those senior players, sometimes you think those games almost get in the way, and you're like, oh, you know, can't be doing with the third round of the FA Cup. But I think you know those senior players out there, they needed those minutes as well. You know, even you know right down to Andy Robertson coming back from his ban. You know, it's been a few weeks since he played. You know, Canate and Van Dijk as well, and even you know Fabino. I think I don't think Fabino had been anywhere near his normal commanding self in the recent league games. So you know, hopefully getting those goals and and swaggering through a game as he did will then have a really positive knock-on effect for for Arsenal in the Carabao and then and then Brentford at home next weekend. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like Arnie Slot. Probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, so 10 years since Liverpool have won a domestic cup, of course, 2012 against um, Cardiff, uh, who they've drawn, of course, in the next round of the FA Cup. 16 years since they won the FA Cup. Is this the season where there's a domestic cup coming home, Kiva? And there's a fair bit of anticipation for Thursday night, isn't there? 
I bloody hope so, Steve. We've been waiting a long time, haven't we, for a, a proper cup final trip to Wembley. Obviously, Liverpool got to the League Cup final under Klopp, didn't they? Got beat by Man City, but that Coutinho goal is actually one of the my favourite ever Liverpool goals in a you know in a stadium. I love that. Obviously, Liverpool then just didn't show up in the penalty shootout, which was awful. But yeah, when you actually look, and I know James did the piece on this, but it's actually just abhorrent that Liverpool have not really like almost bothered themselves in the cups for like such a long time. This is even before Klopp. You just feel like not bothered themselves or just not like had sort of the, I don't know, the energy for it at times. Like really, you you want to be winning those cups because for a long time Liverpool were not going to win the league and that kind of thing. Obviously, we know the more of contenders now, but picking up trophies along the way is, you know, incredible. Like to go all that time from... 2012 winning the League Cup to 2019 winning the Champions League. Like you don't expect the Champions League to be a next trophy. You'd expect you know an FA Cup in there somewhere or something. And Liverpool have just hoovered up cups, you know, in the history of the club. So to go, you know, the past 22 years when you actually look at it is probably, you know, haven't probably won as much as they should have. Obviously, you know, everyone's got great memories from the the treble season in 2001 under Gerard Houllier and you know it's sort of that was my my first memories of Liverpool almost so I expected that every season then and for it to not happen almost you know we've had great days haven't we but I think cups are just something about them and if Liverpool can you know if they don't manage to get there in the league and they don't manage to get there in the Champions League but they somehow you know get to the League Cup and FA Cup final or win one of them or both of them I think that'll be a successful season as long as obviously they're in the top four as well going into next season we want cups, don't we? And I think we're all sort of at a point now where we're hungry for them as well, where I think even like last year and years gone by, we've, you know, maybe some of us have kind of thought, yeah, well, the focus should be on the Premier League, the Champions League. But now I'm like, no, just win it all. Win it all. I almost can't wait for Thursday night. It feels like it should be a European night, James. Um, how much will the manager be influenced in his team selection by the fact that Brentford's on Sunday? And actually, look, the Premier League race looks pretty hard but it's but it's not done and dusted so how will that impact on what he's going to look at team wise and what sort of atmosphere are you expecting for Thursday yeah I think it'll certainly be a lot livelier than than Anfield on Sunday afternoon when it was it was pretty quiet I just think there's a there's a lot more on the line isn't there um and I, and I, I would be amazed if Brentford is in Klopp's thinking in terms of holding anyone back it's a cup semi-final you know when I, when I wrote that piece last week you know, I, I saw in the comments I was getting a bit of stick from people saying that I was almost trying to manage expectations, and oh, you know, sudden, oh, you know, people saying, "Well, you know, suddenly are we going back to top four and a decent run in the domestic cups equals success?" And it was like, "Well, no, I'm not saying that." I, you know, I actually wrote in it, you know, no one's conceding defeat in the Premier League title race, but you know, and, and I don't see any reason why Liverpool can't win the Champions League this season. You know, they, they've got the talent there to do it, but the big but has to be City are absolutely relentless. Are they really going to? drop enough points and are Liverpool really going to put together the kind of run needed to bridge that gap and as we know in the Champions League in knockout football anything can happen there are no no guarantees so I, I just think it would be wrong to turn your nose up at the domestic cups this season and I think there's a number of factors to that as well I think you know this this Klopp team and this manager are far far too good to go a few years without winning something, you know, and as, and as amazing as it was to win all those trophies in quick succession, you know, the Champions League, the Super Club, the, the Club World Cup and the Premier League, you know, it, it will be two years in June, July since, since they won the Premier League. And, 
you know, there were mitigating circumstances why they didn't add to it last season with the injuries. But it's important to keep creating history and and even, you know, the Wembley thing. It's been too long since Liverpool had a, a showpiece final at Wembley. So this semi against Arsenal does really matter because I know when you're competing for Premier Leagues and Champions Leagues, you know, going out the cups early, you know, there is a bit of a shrug of the shoulders and say, but you know what, we've we got bigger fish to fry. But I'm just not sure at the minute. I don't think Liverpool have got bigger fish to fry. You know, I, I think there is absolutely no reason not to regard this Arsenal semi-final as as huge. You know, I mean, it's, you know, as you said, Steve, you know, 10 years since Liverpool won the League Cup. It would be 16 years in May since the Steven Gerrard FA Cup final where Liverpool, that was the last time Liverpool won the FA Cup. So, um, yeah, it, it demands respect and it demands full attention. And also the other thing that I wonder as well, maybe Liverpool are getting a slight change of luck now with some of the draws because, you know, getting Cardiff at home in the next round is a decent draw. Shrewsbury at home in the previous round was a decent draw, which, you know, has been one of the reasons why Liverpool's recent record in the FA Cup has been so miserable because not only has Klopp made loads of changes and played kids and fringe players, but also Liverpool have had some really, really tough draws over that period. So, um... Maybe this season, hopefully, is the, the season that they, they put things right in terms of those domestic cups. Although they've not had the luck in terms of the home leg being the first leg now. How much of an advantage have they conceded there, do you think, Kiva? We know how much Liverpool like playing at home in the second leg of two-legged ties. Yeah, I said this, that you've just got to win it win it in that first game. Then haven't you put it to bed? I feel like Chelsea have almost done that pretty much with their 2-0 win over Tottenham. You've got to win it, win it at home, I guess, either way, haven't you? So for Liverpool to, you know, take a 2 nil lead or even more into the second leg, then I think they, they stand in good stead to advance to the final. If it's not quite the game and it's nil-nil or something like that, then you'd still fancy them away at Arsenal. Um, but having been to that Leicester game and, you know, for Liverpool to be 3-1 down and just looking a bit woeful in, in that first half and then to just come back 3-3 and then win on penalties, you know, Anfield was special that night and it can be special again and will be special again. So, yeah, I'm I'm trusting that, you know, it's Thursday's going to almost be like Champions League vibes because Leicester in the League Cup was so I'm assuming Arsenal in the League Cup will be as well. That's what we want. Uh, right, let's give a shout at the end of this pod to a piece that James has written on uh, on the goalkeeping department and the idea of building a goalkeeping school. So recently, of course, they added Claudio Tafarel to the, um, the squad of keeper coaches. You're thinking to yourself, how big does this squad need to be? Uh, but John Achterberg's explained it all to you, James. It, it, it seems like a fairly good setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it was a John. John Achterberg's always great value, and it was yeah, it was nice to to spend some time with him because um, I was just interested to find out how it is all working with Tafarel. I think it's six weeks since the Brazil legend was added to Klopp's backroom staff, and and of course, I think around that time, people were thinking, well, what does this actually mean for John Achterberg? Obviously, has been Liverpool's senior goalkeeping coach since 2011 but yeah he, he explained that you know he is fully on board with this and, and also kind of why Liverpool do need three goalkeeping coaches because of course you know he's got Jack Robinson as well assisting him and actually when you when you kind of drill into the detail you can see why why they do need that number because you know he, he said they've got six keepers training at the AXA training centre on a daily basis around the, the senior setup and of course when you've got John and Jack travel into all the games and they're only taking three keepers with them. Well, the other three 
need someone to stay behind and, and train them. You know, it's still very much Akterberg in, t- in charge of the department, and then they're just embracing the you know the wealth of experience that Tafarel has. That you know, obviously he he has a close bond with Allison from there. Their work together with the Brazilian national team. So um, yeah, at the minute it's it's very much kind of Allison with obviously Kelleher who thought did very well again against Shrewsbury as the number two, Adrian as number three, and then behind them you've got Carius who you know, still expecting that something might happen in terms of him leaving the club this month. You know, Actorberg said himself, you know, he he needs to go. You know, he needs to go and get his career back on track elsewhere. If if it doesn't happen this month then it will happen in the summer because he's out of contract. And then you've got young teenagers, you know, Marcelo, Peter Luger, the Brazil Youth International and, and Harvey Davis um, from the Chilwell area of Liverpool, who they're really, really excited about Davis in terms of his big potential. You know, I think the other interesting thing that Actberg talked a fair bit about that ties in with what you said, Steve, about wanting to create a proper goalkeeping school is that Liverpool had have had to change their strategy in terms of recruiting goalies because... You know, we all know that in recent years they brought in a host of keepers at kind of 15, 16, 17. Poland has been a real kind of hotbed in terms of scouting and bringing in players from there, the Czech Republic as well. But that avenue is no longer open to them with Brexit. You know, you can no longer sign um, under 18s from overseas. So that means that you have to bring through your own keepers to a to a greater degree. And so that's why, you know, your scouting and the quality of your coaching and the planning has to be absolutely, you know, top notch. Yeah, fascinating the amount of detail that goes into it, right down to, you know, the tests they do to try and determine whether a 10, 11 year old talented goalie is going to have the physicality and the height to, to one day be able to handle the physical environment. Because you know, as John Atterberg said, you know, it's, you know, they're not they're not a charity. It's a professional football club, and you don't also you don't want to give fake you know kind of false hope to these kids and their parents. So um, I saw that on your piece. Is it so they they used to measure their wrist to scans, see how yeah tall used to yeah, essentially do scans on scan a, their wrist yeah yeah the, um, and he was he was saying that Liverpool no longer do that. I think the doctor felt it was probably a bit unethical in terms of um, you know having to probably subject kids to the radio waves. I guess to and I, and I, I guess it can't be massively scientifically uh, accurate but he said you know other clubs still do it he said that they work with the university on various other measurements and you know right down to basic things like looking at a kid's parents whether they you know whether realistically they're going to have the height to one day do it because he said you know of course now with Brexit it means that you know if you suddenly get to the under 16s under 18s and and the keepers you've been working with you know haven't developed and they're not going to be physically capable of delivering at that level then Liverpool no longer have that avenue to go and recruit from overseas so um, yeah while on the one hand you think Liverpool's goalkeeping department looks pretty sorted for years to come with you know Alisson arguably coming just into his peak at the age of 29 and he's still got I think he's he got five years I think left on his contract and you know he could go on for another 10 years I think because he's you know, he, he is such an elite goalkeeper and you've got Kelleher which I don't think anyone's got a better number two than Quivine Kelleher but you know Liverpool are looking well and truly to the future in terms of trying to ensure that that production line of young keepers is there and that they create their own rather than having to go and buy them really good piece if, if people haven't read it out there check it out it's on The Athletic now uh, we've got to mention this before we finish the pod Liverpool women Absolutely unbelievable again yesterday, <laughs> keeping a bang in the goals in, aren't they? Uh, Rachel Furness, who we had on the show recently, um, scored a couple and a hat trick hero as well. 
Yeah, Leanne Kiernan can't stop scoring goals. Obviously, we mentioned on the last podcast, Liverpool have signed an American striker, Katie Stengel. And um, obviously, it's made Leanne Kiernan sort of stamp a mark down. So she just scored a hat-trick in six minutes. <laughs> Six-minute hat-trick, ridiculous. And one of the goals is just oh, unbelievable. And obviously, Fairness comes on, scores with a first touch and then scores another. So yeah, nice 6-0 win, uh, which was started off by the captain, Neve Farhi, a bullet header, I believe. Obviously, I was at Anfield, so was unable to watch the game. But I think the five points clear at the top of the championship now and things are boding really well for them in terms of um, getting promoted back to the WSL because it's a tough gig, you know, it's a tough ask. It's just one team that goes up. Um, And obviously last year they they missed out to Leicester and just felt like a really tough time. Obviously, Vicky Jepsen left the club. They were without a manager pretty much for the majority of the second half of the season. Obviously, Amber Whiteley was in charge. Now they've got Matt Bayard, who's obviously, you know, won two leagues in his last stint at Liverpool and looks on course to do another. Absolutely brilliant from them. Omens look good. Uh, fingers crossed that they go all the way. Thanks for listening to the pods. Uh, Red Agenda returns at the end of the week after that Arsenal game. Can't wait for that. Uh, many thanks to Kiva and James. We'll see you next time. Hold up. 